Hey, nurses. Welcome to the Nurse Dot Podcast, giving nurses validation, resources, and hope one episode at a time. Today on Nurse Dot Podcast, we see more disruptive behaviors in healthcare than in any other industry. And when you think about why might that be? Well, we see more stress as a healthcare professional than any other role. We're uncomfortable having an honest conversation with someone and, and there's a strategy that we teach and it starts with giving other people permission to give you feedback first. Joining us today, Dr. Renee Thompson. Not only is she a renowned speaker, accomplished author, and a dedicated nursing professional, but she is also the esteemed founder of the Healthy Workforce Institute. Dr. Thompson has made it her mission to eradicate bullying and incivility in healthcare, transforming how we approach and enhance our medical workspaces. I'm your host, Kara Lunsford, registered nurse and VP of community at nurse.com. We are going to get right into this. Dr. Renee Thompson, it's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> uh, this, is a, this is a topic that I'm really passionate about as, an, as a nurse, somebody who's been in the nursing profession for the last 16 years, the healthy workforce, the culture of bullying that we have. Mm-hmm that we need to eliminate. Thank you. Yes, we do. And, yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself, like your history and how you got here and how you started this. Yeah. Well, thank you for asking. Well, uh, like you, I'm a nurse, been a nurse for uh, 32 plus years, I think. And I always say I've done pretty much everything you can do as a nurse. I mean, of course, bedside, I've worked as an educator. I was a home care nurse, managed care. Like, yes, I worked for a managed care company. Um, I was a manager. I was a frontline manager. I was um, an executive. And I realized that it didn't matter where I worked, you know, what organization I worked for or what role I had. I swear there was always someone or a group of people who made it their mission to make my life difficult. And I just didn't understand it. You know, working in healthcare is hard enough without worrying about your coworkers making it harder. And I'll never forget this. I was in an executive role and I was charged with um, really improving professional development for about 10,000 nurses. So I built nurse residency programs, preceptor programs in charge of all student programs, certification, advanced degrees, all of those things. So I met with a lot of the nurses and all they wanted to talk about was bullying and how poorly the other nurses treated them. And it reminded me of my own experiences. And, you know, there was a moment where I just said, enough is enough. We keep talking about it, but nobody's doing anything about it. So I quit a great job that I love to start this company. And it started just as me speaking about bullying. Well, I guess my message really resonated with others and it grew from there. And now we are the Healthy Workforce Institute, the only company in the world dedicated to eradicating bad behavior in healthcare alone. We don't have to go outside of healthcare, Kara. 
we're plenty busy <laughs> right here. Unfortunately, I laugh about it, but it's it's not really a humorous thing. It's a shocking, like, oh my gosh. So yeah, that's my story. Well, thank you for decades of service. I'll start with that. You're welcome. So what do you feel is at the source? I, I have my own opinions, beliefs about where this comes from. Even when I just talk about bullying with my son, he's 12 and we say, well, you know, if, if you run into a bully, it's probably that they're getting bullied. And, and that, that's a lot of the messaging that we give to kids is boundaries, creating boundaries, but also some level of compassion or empathy for the fact that the bully is probably experiencing something either at home or somewhere, and that this is redirected at other people. Where do you think that this comes from? Uh, Carrie, you're, you're right. There are a lot of people who, let's just say, treat others with cruelty um, in healthcare, you know, the caring, you know, industry um, for reasons that um, it's not to say we don't have enough time to talk about those other reasons, but for reasons that are actually understandable. Everybody has a story. You have no idea what someone's home life, what, what's happening in their personal life is like. However, when you cross the threshold of your workspace, okay, need, you need to be game on because the way we treat each other impacts someone's mother, impacts someone's, you know, partner, spouse, child. And that's the one area that, yep, I get it. And I am so compassionate towards other people and their suffering, but we have to stop justifying people's bad behavior and start, you know, taking action. And it's not just to say, okay, anybody who's treating anybody with cruelty, you're going to get fired tomorrow if you don't step up. I mean, you have to have an honest conversation with people and find out um, if there's something going on in their lives that is impacting their ability to treat their coworkers with respect. But if you look at the, the healthcare industry as a whole, we almost set ourselves up for this because we see more disruptive behaviors in healthcare than in any other industry. And when you think about why might that be? Well, we see more stress as a healthcare professional than any other role. Think about this, you know, during the pandemic, everybody was, you know, sort of mocking and making fun and jokes about being home all the time. And, you know, as they say, everybody, when, when you have a fire and, and the firefighters run into the burning building, everybody else is running out. Or during the pandemic, healthcare professionals were running in to the, you know, pandemic while everybody else was making fun of being home. And so when people are stressed out and burned out, they lash out. And who do they lash out to? It's usually the person standing next to them. So we see a primary reason for disruptive behaviors in healthcare due to the stress that we're under. However, again, I'm going to go back to uh, it's not an excuse or, you know, we tend to justify someone's bad behavior because of how good they are, especially now during a staffing crisis. You know, the, the thought process is, well, a bad nurse is better than no nurse, which is so not true. And so we we justify somebody's bad behavior because of how good they are, you know, how competent, how long they've been there or how much revenue they bring in. Think about some of the physicians who seem to get away with a lot of bad behavior because they're revenue generating. 
And we've gotten to the point that we've normalized bad behavior for so long, we don't even notice them. And you know, this is true for you and in your department, when you hear people say, well, that's just the way she is. She's a really great nurse. Or, you know, he's really great at, you know, whatever, just don't get on his bad side. You know, he he can be hot and cold, or sometimes you have to walk around on eggshells, but boy, are they good at what they do. And, you know, so it just perpetuates itself and we don't even notice it anymore. How much do you feel that self-esteem and insecurity play a role in bullying? Uh, it does play a role. Um, the the general um, consensus is if I'm insecure about who I am, it makes me feel better if I can pick on who you are. So if I make you look bad, if I criticize you, it makes me feel better about myself. And, you know, when we look at things like gossip, you know, gossip is so pervasive. When I gossip about you, and I say these nasty things about you. What I'm also saying is I am so much better than you. Because when you think about this, every single human on earth could quote unquote gossip about every single human being on earth. None of us are perfect. We we all mess up. We all have our um, issues, professional competence and personal. And so I, I think it does sometimes, not all the time though. But sometimes it does come from a level of, I don't feel confident about myself. So when I pick on someone else, it makes me feel better. And mm -hmm. I don't think um, for the most part, that's intentional. That's the subconscious stuff, you know, the soup that's, you know, swirling in our, our brains. But not everybody's like that. There are some people who actually have more confidence. They think they're better than they are a little... I don't want to necessarily use the word narcissistic because I think that should be reserved for the few people who truly are narcissistic. We, we tend to throw that word around a lot. Um, just like bullying, we tend to label all bad behavior bullying and, and it's not. But I, I think you see, a, as they say, sometimes a spectrum of reasons why somebody actually comes into work and they either intentionally or unintentionally treat each other, their coworkers with cruelty. Mm -hmm. There's a spectrum of reasons. I love what you say about it doesn't excuse bad behavior. Trying to understand why people do what they do. I think it's natural as humans that we want to try and understand behavior that is different than our own. Why people would behave that way, assuming positive intent you know, we're taught all the time, assume, assume positive intent. And I think you can start with assuming positive intent. I think you can say, well, I think in general, I think people are inherently good people. But additionally, and then there's a big and, right? And people are flawed and traumatized. And some of them are walking around with imposter syndrome. And how do they react to these different feelings. I, I just gave a presentation the other day at the ENA about emotional literacy, the ability to acknowledge when you're hooked by something. You have to start with being aware that you've been hooked by something, triggered. That's a big word. Everybody talks about being triggered. And then identifying with specificity, with granularity, 
the feeling that you're having. We talk about this a little bit when it comes to experiences that you're having with coworkers. The first feeling that you might have is, I feel like I'm being bullied. I feel bullied. I feel taken advantage of. I feel uh, devalued. So you start to kind of peel back the layers and identify these different feelings so that you can have an intelligent conversation with the perpetrator. Right. Right. And be able to say something as opposed to you did this or you did that. Instead, you can bring it down to one feeling. You know, we were in the room earlier, we were talking with the patient. And when we were in the middle of me placing the IV, I really did not feel a lot of support from you as my colleague. I didn't feel supported. And I also felt really embarrassed. I felt really embarrassed in front of the patient. And I wanted to talk to you about it. I wanted to talk to you about the feelings I was having in the room. And I don't think that you intended to make me feel that way. I don't think that that was your intention. Yeah. Yeah. You've said a lot of really great, you brought up a lot of really great points. Um, I, I love trying to figure out why somebody acts the way they act. And I've been asked many times, how did I get to be so knowledgeable about bullying and incivility and how to address it and all those things? It was there some program I went through and I said, no. I've been studying human behavior, I swear, my whole life and really trying to figure out why and get to, you know, sort of that root cause. And I love doing that. However, in the moment when you're with your colleague, it's not for you to try to figure out why. It's not not to say we don't have any time for that. But instead, what we tell people is don't worry about the why in the moment, focus on the behavior. So I'm going to piggyback on something you said, you know, talk about what you're feeling. I was embarrassed, but I would add, and I would add, what's the behavior that made them feel this way? When I was putting that IV in and you immediately said, that's not the right one. And, you know, you were aggressive with it, or you were, you know, curt with me in front of the patient. I was, I was embarrassed. And it's interesting, though, because I think it takes and tell me what you think, Kara. I think it takes a certain level of emotional intelligence for you to be able to recognize what you're feeling, because not everybody, I think, can do that. And it's it's funny, just last week, I just had a series of things that happened that got me to the point where I was getting even a little testy with my husband. Okay, I was getting a little short. And everything started bothering me. And then I was able to reflect and say, okay, where's this coming from? And it, but I had to think about it because in the moment I didn't know, I just knew that I was annoyed. I knew that I was, you know, upset or I didn't know where it was coming from. And then I realized I was just frustrated. There was a series of things that happened. And so I said to him, Hey, I just want to, you know, talk for a minute I'm feeling very frustrated right now. This is why I feel frustrated. And this is what I plan to do about it. It's great when you can do that. But sometimes in the moment, 
you, you don't have that time and you might be dealing with someone who doesn't have the capability of reflecting and even considering your feelings. So I think there's there's got to be a nice balance of you need to figure out when you're feeling, as you said earlier, I don't feel valued. Uh, I, you know, um, I'm embarrassed. Like, what is somebody doing? And that's what we do. Get crystal clear on the behavior that makes you feel that way because you can address the behavior. You can't always address the fact that they've got a really tough life at home, but you can address the behavior when they show up at work. Hey there, nurses and nursing students. We know your job isn't just a profession. It's a calling. Now, with Nurse.com, your nurse life is all in one place. Imagine a world where career opportunities are tailored to your skills, where you can find peer support in the Nurse.com app, the only networking site built specifically for nurses. Continuing education, events, peer support, and jobs? What more can you ask for? Ready to take the leap into a role that is truly yours? Check out nurse.com forward slash jobs today. Absolutely. This is where I think emotional literacy and emotional granularity is so fascinating because I love to quote Brene Brown because she's like my favorite person on the planet. But she she talks about how most people only have access to about three emotions, happy, sad, and angry, which is crazy, right? And then she asks the audience in, in one of her sessions, she says, how many do you think that you really should have access to? What, how much vocabulary should you have access to, emotional vocabulary? And... The answer was about 30, 30 different emotions that we should be able to pinpoint with pretty good accuracy. And that comes from practice. So you have to practice that, right? So you, you're, you're triggered or you're hooked by something, hooked by hard emotion, as she says, and you got to get curious about it, be willing to get curious about it, and then... Start to look, you know how when we look at a pain scale, right? Sometimes you have all the different faces, the different types of faces, but you also have the numbers. It's so that we can objectively look at our pain, right? Instead of subjectively. There's actually an emotional scale that you can look at where it has all these different faces and it has different emotions that are labeled to those faces, and I almost feel like we need to have that on a little card or something where it, it's like, all right, all right, what, what's... <laughs> this is what I'm feeling. Point, like you're pointing to the, you know, sad face. You know? Yeah. See, see this one right here? This is, this is mortified. I, I feel mortified. So sometimes certain emotions carry more weight than other emotions. Oh, definitely. Right? Mm-hmm. For some people, if they're embarrassed, embarrassment goes to anger very quickly. Yep. Humiliation, embarrassment, those are like the top. And, and I always say they go right to your hippocampus in your brain and you will never forget when you've been embarrassed or humiliated. And I loved your word earlier, mortified, especially in front of other people. They definitely hold a higher weight. Exactly. And knowing that about yourself, 
and being able to say with a certain amount of clarity to another person, to a colleague, in that moment, in that room, I felt so humiliated. I was so embarrassed. I really just, I, all I wanted to do was just place this IV, get it in. I was already feeling nervous about it myself, really needed the, the support of my colleague, really needed, I, I really needed you. I needed that help. But instead, what I felt was a lack of support. I felt targeted. Getting into that conversation and also understanding Like what you just said is that the other person might not be in the position to hear it. Maybe they don't have that same emotional intelligence, but being very clear and comfortable with your own feelings. For me, I feel like it's about entitlement to your feelings, like feeling entitled to those feelings and feeling comfortable about setting a boundary with someone. Right. And being honest with someone about um, not only your feelings, but again, going back to something that they did that created, you know, it's not that the per- like, you know, they, they say you, you can't make a certain person or any person feel a certain way. Um, however, you can certainly create the um, opportunity for somebody to feel that way. But what we find too is uh, many times the person on the receiving end of that feedback isn't receptive to it. And you know, where I shared that I was having a rough, you know, day. And then I, you know, said to my husband, I'm feeling frustrated. And this is why my husband is one of the kindest beings I've ever met in my life. And he was so open to it. And we had a conversation about it and it went well, and then everything was fine. My ex-husband. Okay. No way. If I would have said, I'm feeling frustrated and this is why he would have flipped out on me. So not everybody's open to that. And hence why human behavior is so complex and why bullying and incivility continue in healthcare is because you've got all of these variables that without helping people, at least with the skills and tools they need to confront disruptive behaviors, like in the moment when they happen and, you know, hold people accountable, it it just continues. And then you've got, you know, a lot of times what's happening right now, you have these brand new nurses who are coming in and, and talk about being eaten alive because they're not as prepared as new nurses were in the past, you know, pre, you know, pandemic. And um, it's, it's actually creating an opportunity for them to go find work somewhere else. And so we're finding that they're leaving because not that they're making $2 more an hour down the road, they're leaving because of how they're being treated by their coworkers and they don't have the social skills. And I'm going to say they as a collective, they, not just the new nurses, it's all of us. Okay. Are just not equipped with the, so we're not taught the social skills to be able to have those uncomfortable conversations with each other. And that's actually one of the things that we focus on is giving people the scripts, the tools that I, we get so granular, say these words to this person when they do this again, you know, just to give them the tools that they need. Yeah. Sometimes people just don't even know where to start or they don't, to what you said, they don't have the script. Sometimes you need to have a script just to be able to say this behavior is not acceptable. Right. It's not okay. Yep. 
I'm not okay with you treating me this way. I'm not okay with you talking to me this way. And I will say that earlier, I think you mentioned something, not everyone deserves your vulnerability. Right. Exactly. Yeah. There are people that deserve our vulnerability. They're people that we love and care about, the colleagues that have been our friends for 10, 15 years. They're having a bad day. They say something right. that comes across in a way that is less than supportive. Or- and we can all misbehave, every one of us. We've all had our moments. I would say that if you think that you've never been an offender of this, I think it's unlikely. <laughs> We've all caught ourselves. Think about like the one time that you're talking about that new resident that just came in and you're like, wow, dumber than a bucket of hair. <laughs> Like, th- what? how did this person make it through med school? And we laugh about it. We joke about it. Sometimes it's us with our colleagues that have been around 10 years and we're like, oh, God, you know, like, this is going to be a doozy. And we might think that it's not hurtful or that it doesn't hurt the culture because we think we're saying it in jest or we think we're joking or... Um, it's just become such a part of our culture that you can easily find yourself in it. Going back to that whole thing of like, if you wouldn't say something to someone's face, probably not a good idea to say it to other people. We call that triangulation. Uh, so I have an issue with you, Kara, but I don't say anything to you. But I tell our other coworker, you know, Tina, I tell her all about it. You have no opportunity to make it better because you don't even know that what you did offended me in some way or was an issue. But Tina knows all about it. And, you know, we see this so frequently. It's probably, I would say, one of the top three ways disruptive behaviors show up. And it's very subtle. People don't think, you know, eye rolling and gossip and this type of triangulation is, oh, so it's just, you know. Venting. Yes. They think they're venting. They think they're just venting or we minimize it in some way. We say, I was just venting. I'm not, I'm not really upset about this. Right. Yeah. Because we're uncomfortable having an honest conversation with someone. And and there's a a strategy that we teach and um, it starts with giving other people permission to give you feedback first. So again, Kara, let's say you and I are working together. It's me approaching you first and saying, hey, Kara, if I ever do anything that you find disrespectful or if I miss something, if I make a mistake, okay, I want you to come and tell me first. And I promise you two things. First of all, I'll be open to it. I won't say, oh, like you never do anything, okay, and get all defensive. And I promise I'll do the same for you. So and if you really want to create a culture of peer-to-peer accountability and feedback, it starts with each one of us giving other people permission to give us feedback first. And I always say, start with the people, as you said, that yeah, I've worked with you for 15 years. I know you and you know I care about you. Start with those people. Don't start with the person as soon as you see you have to work with them, like you have a surge of hydrochloric acid in your stomach, you know, and you lose your peripheral vision. You think, oh my God, it's going to be a terrible shift because you have to work with that person. Don't start there. Start with someone you already have a good relationship with so that you can start really influencing other people to do the same. 
talk to each other, not about each other. Game changer. Game changer. Yep. So that is such good advice. I I would also piggyback on that and say when you are going to talk with each other or when you're going to give information to someone about how you receive information or how you best receive information, I think knowing yourself really well is important. We all have to know ourselves and get curious about ourselves and truly understand how we best process information and where we best process information because then we can communicate with someone and say, if I do something that offends you or hurts you in some way, I want to hear about it. Here's the best way to approach me about this. Ah, that's great. And being really clear about, hey, if I bring something up to you, when would you prefer it? After work? Before work? During a break? Do you have a preference about when I provide you with feedback? Because you want it to be successful. And if you catch people in times when it, it's not working for them right. or they're stressed out, you're probably not going to have a successful exchange. Yeah, I, I think that's such great advice. It's giving people permission to give you feedback and letting them know how you like to receive feedback. That does require, as you said earlier, you need to do some self-reflection and and you know thyself, okay? It's and a lot of people don't know how they show up. They don't they've never done a personality test. Um, they don't give it any thought. And I think as we, you know, grow and, and age and grow in our profession and our competence, you know, when you're a brand new nurse, it's survival mode. You're all about, you're so focused on what do I have to do to make sure my patients stay alive and that, you know, I, I get everything done in my shift. You're so focused on the tasks because that's where you need to focus is, you know, about, I always say orientation is only to make sure that they're safe to practice. That's it. I mean, they're not done cooking yet. Okay. They, they need continued development, but then as you mature and you grow, that's when you have the capacity, at least you have the capacity. You may not be taking advantage of that to really start looking at how I come across, you know, uh, we, we do a lot with communication styles. So I come across as a little aggressive uh, or maybe I'm passive or passive aggressive. Okay. Versus assertive. Um, we see this all the time. And I talk a lot about, you know, I remember myself being a bedside nurse, giving, giving report to certain nurses. I would literally be stressed and so anxious knowing I had to give report to certain nurses because they would nitpick me to death. They would try to find one thing that I didn't know and then make me feel stupid. You know, of course, they can't make me feel stupid, but I felt stupid. And so what I tend, once people say, yes, I'm a nitpicker. Yes. I roll my eyes. Yes. This is what I do is to then tell people, Hey, I know sometimes I can come across as being a little nitpicky. If I do that, please let me know because sometimes, you know, I'm not even aware I'm doing it because again, some people just aren't self-aware. If I ever come across as being aggressive, please let me know. If I ever come across as being fill in a blank, let me know. And then if somebody does call you on it, 
please don't rip their head off. Okay. Like you have to be open to it as part of none of us are perfect. We're all working on becoming a stronger team. We're working on improving our culture. And it always starts with each individual person turning the mirror back on themselves to see how they show up every single day. It's easy to point fingers at everyone else. You know that. So much easier. Much harder to turn that finger back towards yourself. Absolutely. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. I couldn't agree more. And everything that you have brought to this conversation from just identifying when you're in one of these difficult situations to how to best, in a scripted way, give some some very scripted responses. Can you give an example of that really quick? Because I oh, know yeah. that you, yeah. So give me give me a give me a good scripted response. We have our like three confronting strategies. We call them name it, speak it, script it. Okay, so scripting is really a support for the name it. Get crystal clear on what the behavior is. And then just name it. You're yelling at me in front of everyone. You're criticizing me. You just rolled your eyes at me. You just called me stupid. Okay. All you do, and it's a lot easier when the behavior is overt. So everybody can see it. Everybody can hear it. It's so much easier than that passive aggressive type of, you know, covert behavior. So just start with overt. If somebody walks away from you and refuses to get report, you're walking away from me. Are you refusing to take report from me? Like you just keep it objective. This has nothing to do with why they might be doing this, but just be very objective and name the behavior. The What helps you to do that is again with the scripting. So we have so many scripts. We have two um, resources right now. One is 33 scripts and it's for leaders who don't know what to say in the moment, okay, when they're dealing with a, a disruptive employee. And our power scripts are for employees, so coworker to coworker. So we have two different ones. But it's things like, you know, I'm not sure you're aware of this, but sometimes you can come across as nitpicky. I'm not sure you're aware of this. Sometimes you can come across as intimidating or condescending. So the script is, I'm not sure you're aware of this. And then you add in what the behavior is. And it helps you to open up the door to having a conversation. Um, it's funny, I have a, a YouTube video series called Coffee and Conversations about Nurse Bullying. And it's basically me sitting you know, in a chair with a cup of coffee talking about bad behavior. And I had my daughter on as a guest. My daughter's a school teacher. And she had um, shared with me that somebody that they had hired, another teacher, was really being rude to her and would say really insulting things to her only in front of other people. And my daughter said she was embarrassed, like she embarrassed her, but she didn't know what to say because she didn't want to try. He didn't, she didn't want to zing her back or embarrass her. So, of course, she reached out to me and she talks about this on the, the, the video where I told her, I said, Kate, I want you to practice this script. I'm offended by that comment. Just practice it, practice it, because 
I don't know, Kara, if you're like me, when somebody catches me off guard and they embarrass me in the moment, I don't know what to say. Like I freeze. I'm like, uh, 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 like, I don't know what to say, but the next day in the shower, oh, I can think of all sorts of things to say, but you know, by then it's too late. So, because in the moment you go into that fight or flight response. So if you have a script, you have a situation that you're dealing with, you pick an appropriate script. In my daughter's case, I said, I'm offended by that comment. You practice it. So that in the moment when it happens again, you can pull it out. You're ready to go. So my daughter, she did. And she was funny in the video. She's like, I was waiting. I was waiting for her to say something. And sure enough, she did. So my daughter looked at her and said, I'm offended by that comment. My daughter turned around. This teacher said, oh, you know, I'm just messing with you. You know, you know, I'm just kidding around. So my daughter turned back around and just said, I'm offended by that comment. My daughter was funny. She says, I didn't know what else to say. She said, I just knew I had to say that. Well, she worked with that teacher for another year and a half. That teacher never did anything like that to her again. Scripting works most of the time, not all of the time. I'll take most, okay? But it really does. It's just to let somebody know that their behavior is not okay. And then we, you know, speak it as honest and respectful. You need to be honest with people and respect them at the same time to engage in a conversation with them. Absolutely. And I think that what you said about, she repeated it, because when that teacher came back and said, oh, you know, you know, I was just joking around. You know, I was just kidding. Like, I, I didn't mean anything by that. Repeating it and doubling down and saying, I was offended by that comment. Yeah. Right. Because what it does is it puts it back over on the person. Right. And now they have to do something with that. And if you choose not to engage in that conversation or to make them feel better, because I think sometimes we have this tendency when we can tell that the other person is now feeling bad in some way or they're uncomfortable, that sometimes when we're empaths, empathetic people, I think a lot of nurses are, we're, we are empaths. That's why we're good at our job. That immediately we go to, well, let me make that person feel better. Yes, it's called fawning, which I didn't know this term until recently where, you know, uh, fight or flight, it's fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. When you're so uncomfortable, fawning is, so My if my daughter would have said to that teacher, yeah, don't worry about it. I know you're just kidding. You're a jokester. That's fawning. And to your point, Kara, it's because we're so, and my daughter's very empathic. Okay. She doesn't want anybody to feel uncomfortable. So you'll downplay it, which is exactly what perpetuates it. And you know, I'm so glad it was just because I kept saying to her, just repeat it, you know, <laughs> just say those words. And it stopped the behavior. It's very similar to when somebody apologizes to you for treating you with disrespect. And you say, it's okay. Don't worry about it. No, because what you're doing now is you're letting them know that your feelings didn't matter, that, you know, you're giving them an out. And instead, what we should really say is thank you for apologizing. I've caught myself doing that, even in email. So sorry, I didn't get back to you or so sorry for this. And I catch myself actually saying, I'm, I'm sorry, you know, my apologies. 
There are times though that I've started paying it because a lot of times it's like, no worries, don't worry about it. If it really was not a big deal. But other times somebody disrespected my time because right now that's there's nothing more important to me than my time and my family, especially my grandbabies, okay? And if you disrespect my time, that's affecting the time I have with my grandbabies. So when somebody I feel disrespected my time and they apologize, I say, thank you for apologizing. Because I'm right, yes, um, thank you for apologizing. This was a big deal for me. We're okay. Things happen, but I don't downplay it. Thank you for apologizing. So it, it's very similar to, yeah, re- and I didn't actually think of it that way, but repeating that when somebody says, oh, you know, I'm just kidding, because that's just a defense mechanism. That reinforces that, no, what you said or how you treated me is not okay. I, I, yeah, that, that's great, Kara. This is just a subject that I'm so passionate about. And I, I always say if I wasn't a if I wasn't a nurse, I'd be a sociology ma- major. I love the study of people. I'm fascinated by human behavior. And probably why you're so good at what you do, because you're also fascinated and curious. Too. Yeah, we're like sisters, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I would love to do so much more with you because I think the work that you're doing is incredibly necessary and it is what is going to help with the sustainability of this of this profession. Yeah, thank you. And so if anyone is looking for you, and they want to learn more, tell our listeners where they can go and find you. You can pretty much go everywhere and find us, but really the easiest thing to do is go to our website. It's healthyworkforceinstitute.com. And there you can find all of our resources. And if you scroll all the way down to the bottom, you can find where we are in social media. I'm um, on LinkedIn a lot. We're Facebook. We're, we're new to Instagram. Okay. We just launched an Instagram um, site, I guess, uh, a month ago, three weeks ago. So we, we would love to have more followers. But yeah, just go to the healthyworkforceinstitute.com and um, check out what we have. We have something for everyone. Can this be brought in? Can a can a nurse ask for this to be or a nurse or a physician or anybody in healthcare ask for this to be brought into their institution? Are you working directly with these hospitals? Almost every day, yes. Um, yeah, we do a lot. We have an online academy. We do a lot of speaking, uh, a lot of workshops, training. We do a lot of consulting. I probably spend more of my time now consulting. So we actually go into an organization and we work hip to hip with the leaders and their teams to really transform their cultures. Um, but there, we always say there's something for every person at every budget, um, even starting free. You know, our, we write a blog, we have our videos. I have my own podcast that we talk about disruptive behaviors. We have resources people can download and that's all free. We also have books. You know, I've written several books and then we have our online academy, but there's, put it this way, there's so much. Sometimes people are a little overwhelmed. If you are, and you need help, just message us. There's a contact form on our website and we'll help you figure out what's the best next step for you. That's so great. It sounds like you've really done a top-down, bottom-up approach. Yes, top-down, bottom-up and everything in between approach because if we're going to truly solve this problem, it can't be any one role. It can't be any one level. It, it's got to be all of us. So we actually really focus on the whole interprofessional team. 
It's not just nurses. You know, it's not just bedside nurses. It's not just the leaders. It's all of us working together to solve this problem. This has been one of my favorite interviews this season for sure. Thank you. And I'm really excited for our listeners to learn more about the Healthy Workforce Institute, to reach out to you, to get support, personal, professional, and also just for your organization. If it's something that you think your organization could benefit from, please, please, please reach out to Dr. Renee Thompson at the Healthy Workforce Institute. Uh, and and really get those tools, those tools and resources that you need to thrive in your career. Thank you, Kara. I, I always say just as a reminder, the way we treat each other is really, it should be just as important as the good care that we provide. And we have important work to do as nurses. And I always say no time for the shenanigans that are out there. And so anything we can do to help you and your organization, uh, we'd be happy to. Thanks, Kara. Thank Cara. you so much. Thank you. And have a great next interview. So far, you're the best part of my day, though. This is such oh. a great conversation. So thank you, Kara. Thank you so much, Dr. Renee. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. If you are a nurse or nursing student who enjoyed this episode, don't forget to join us on the nurse.com app, where you can find the nurse.discussion group, a place where we dissect each episode in detail and delve deeper into today's topics. Nurse Dot is a Nurse.com original podcast series. Production, music, and sound editing by Don Lunsford. Production coordination by Rhea Wade. Additional editing by John Wells. Thank you to all the listeners for tuning in to the Nurse Dot podcast. Until next time, keep spreading the love and the care.